glad you're here with us this morning. Um, hopefully everyone had a great Christmas, uh, and we're in that awkward week now between Christmas and New Year's, and I just, um, I was thinking about that uh, today, and um, you know, at the beginning of a new year, we always uh, kind of make commitments, we want to do resolutions, we want to do things different in, uh, in the new year. And um, uh, next Sunday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a bit on what I think the Lord is calling us to in the new year. Um, and I think he's been, um, he's been pretty clear. Um, and what's, what's interesting is I've talked with a bunch of other pastors, um, uh, a couple within our, our own movement, and it seems like we're all hearing this, the same thing. And so I want to talk a bit about that next week, um, but I'll, I'll kind of tease it a bit. It has a lot to do with intimacy. Uh, intimacy with him, that the Lord is calling us, uh, calling us back to him in a deeper relationship, that he's calling uh, us, uh, Jesus is calling us back to him in a deeper relationship. And as you're uh, kind of getting through this week, this holiday week between Christmas and New Year's, and you're thinking about New Year's, I want to I challenge you all to something. Um, you know, one of the best ways of, of really... Um, getting intimate with the Lord, of really hearing from the Lord, we'll talk a bit that about today, uh, is getting in his word. It's that simple. And um, one thing that has become just absolutely clear over the last two years is how illiterate we are in the Bible. Um, I've heard all kinds of crazy things, not necessarily from you guys, but uh, on the internet about what Jesus says or what the Bible says. And some of it is just like, have you even read your Bible? Um, and I think we've gotten in the habit of just uh, like popcorning verses as we need them, or, or getting the verse of the day and basing our entire life and our entire theology and everything that we hear from God on that. And um, the Bible wasn't designed to be read that way. It's designed to be uh, read in its entirety, in its context. And as the new year is starting, this is the perfect time to commit uh, to reading the Word. And um, there are a bunch of one-year Bible plans out there. Um, I, I'll, my quiet time consists, I bought years ago one of those one-year Bibles, you know, those really cheesy ones I got on my iPad. And every morning I get up and I read the passages uh, for, that, for that day. Um, and I've been doing this for probably over 10 years. I, I, I had a pastor challenge me to this, and I started doing it, and it's become my, my daily routine. And what's fascinating about it is the Lord every morning speaks in that chunk of passage. It takes about 15 minutes for me to read uh, the entirety for that day, and I'm reading a lot of Scripture in context, usually uh, two chapters, two to three chapters of the Old Testament, uh, usually uh, about a half a chapter in the New Testament, a psalm, and then a proverb or two. And in that, the Lord just speaks. And it's amazing uh, what kind of um, understanding, like a complete understanding of, we, of, of the Lord that we get, uh, an understanding of what his kingdom looks like, or what his presence looks like, what his heart looks like for us. Um, so I want to challenge you to that. Um, I know you can go on the Internet and Google, you know, one-year Bible plans are all over the place. You probably have one on your app. Um, you might have one in the back of your Bible. Who knows? You might actually have an old one-year Bible sitting somewhere on a bookshelf that you bought 30 years ago and forgot about. 
But, but I'm going to give you one other challenge on this. And I tell this to my kids. Um, my kids started doing, uh, Nikki Gumbel has this one-year Bible thing where he reads it to you every morning. And my kids do that. And I challenge them on this because I watch them. They hit play, and then they go and they like get dressed and take a shower. And Nikki's kind of chatting in the background, reading the word to them. And I'm like, are you actually hearing anything? Or is that just like noise in the background to keep your day? And I know some people struggle with reading and they prefer to listen to it. And that's actually, the Bible's designed to be heard. I mean, it, the Old Testament especially was written to a, um, not a, a written to a, a verbal community. It wasn't designed to be a book. It was designed to be heard. Um, and even the New Testament, uh, most of the New Testament stories, uh, except the letters of Paul, but most of the Gospels, were originally oral, and then somebody wrote them down, like, you know, decades later. Um, and so it's okay to listen to them, but if you're going to listen to the word spoken to you, you want to do it in a place where you're sitting down and you're concentrating on what is being said. Don't, like, brush your teeth and get dressed and take the dog out and do all these errands because you're not listening to it. They'll know this. This is like noise in the background. It's a soundtrack. And you want to actually pay attention and hear uh, what the word of the Lord is as you're doing that. So that's my challenge to you this week, is, is find a plan, find something, commit to it for the year, and I guarantee you the Lord will speak to you uh, and he will transform you in his word in this upcoming year. We're going to start today uh, with where we finished on Friday night, um, a piece of scripture. So if you have a Bible, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 1 today. John 1, and I will read it aloud, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent nor human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who he himself, uh, who is himself God, is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Let's pray. 
Holy Spirit, we just welcome your presence here today. We say, come, Lord Jesus. Come into this place, Lord. Father, allow us to hear from you, to hear clearly from you this morning. Lord, come and speak to our hearts. Come and bring transformation. Let your word change us today. We welcome you this morning. We just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We close the Christmas Eve service with this passage on uh, Friday. Um, and personally, I think this is one of the most beautiful passages in, in all of Scripture. So much so that on Christmas Eve, I think we ended at, at verse 14 on Christmas Eve. But at Christmas Eve, when I read it, I actually got choked up at the, at the tail end um, because of everything that was happening in the room, because of the environment, just the, the, the overall meaning of, the, of that passage just kind of hit me hard. Uh, on Christmas Eve, and I got, I got completely uh, choked up in the midst of it. Uh, but sometimes I think uh, a passage like this is, is difficult for us to understand. Let's be honest. John can be very confusing. He is very poetic in the way he writes. He tends to write in circles. And, and all of that can be very difficult for us to grasp. You know, we like Paul. Paul's got a Three-point sermon in those epistles. It's right to the point. Boom, boom, boom. And John is just like a poet all over the place. So we get to a passage like this. We have a tendency to read over this introduction by John quickly so we can get to the good stuff. We can get to the actual story. But, but the truth is, the entire story is actually sitting right here in front of us. The entire Bible is sitting right here in this little passage in John. I mean, listen to the first sentence. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You can hear the rhythm of that. That rhythm all comes down to one word, and that word is, is that. Word. I think we get hung up on that word. We read the word word, and we see it, we analyze it. It's on our page. It's always there. And it becomes stagnant in our Bibles. Perhaps uh, we think he's thinking about this book or this gospel that he's writing. But for John, that, that word, word, is anything uh, but stagnant on a page. It is something that is alive. It's something that's transforming. And so for us to fully understand that, we need to look at the way he looked at that word. Or should I say, we need to hear it the way he heard it. You know, it's interesting, and I mentioned this earlier. In the first century, nobody owned one of these. You couldn't get one of these. The Old Testament was written in scrolls. And, and, and after the first century, throughout the Middle Ages, throughout the Dark Ages, there were no printing presses. To get a scroll of Scripture, it took people, uh, they had to handwrite it. It was meticulous. It took a lot of work. There weren't a lot of these floating around. It's not like you carried a box full of scrolls for your entire Old Testament and New Testament around you wherever you went. They weren't, they weren't like pocket scrolls that you took with us. We, we, we are so privileged today in how accessible Scripture and the Bible is so privileged that sometimes I think we take it for granted. We forget about it. 
But the first century, the word wasn't something you read. It was something you heard. It was spoken. It was oral. So I want to do something a little different today. I want to look at this concept of the word by spending the rest of the time listening and not reading. So if you brought a Bible, close it. If you have a phone, put it away. Turn the TV off. I want to try to make this passage of words real to us. Something that is living, something that is breathing, something that can completely grab onto us. I want to hear Scripture the way it was designed to be here because these words aren't just telling a story. Uh, it's more than just describing something to us. There's something more here, something tremendously more here. So let's start at the beginning. When I say the beginning, I mean the beginning. Let's start in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This is a picture that most of us have, a picture of God, that he's kind of out there somewhere, he's in the distance, he's not overly active, he's kind of floating around, watching down here. There's songs written about this, right? God's sitting at a distance looking down upon us. In our minds, that's our picture of what God looks like. But notice, notice what happens next. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke. He spoke, and, and things were created by his voice. Uh, consider this for a moment. God didn't do anything. He didn't manipulate anything. He didn't formulate anything. He just spoke. He spoke, and, and things were created. You know, there's something about a conversation, and I think we forget about that today because we live in a society where there are emails and there are texts and there are ways to do things where we can avoid being face-to-face. -face. And there's something about a conversation when you have a conversation with someone that is taken completely different. How many of you have gotten a text message or an email that you read one way but was meant a totally different way or that you sent, meaning one way but was received a totally different way. And how much would that have been dealt with if we just had a conversation, if we just spoke to one another? We live in an age where we don't do that anymore. We don't talk to one another. We communicate with one another, but we don't talk to one another. When we talk to one another, we're fostering relationship. We're building relationship. When we email one another or text one another, we're just communicating. Don't get me wrong. I text all the time. I think texts are wonderful for things like send me your address. But I, I watch my kids have like a complete conversation via text, and I'm sitting there like, how does that work? How do you hear the inflection of the other person's voice? How do you know 
what, what, what is humor and what is serious. How do you build relationship with just cold words on a screen? Genesis 1 gives us a picture of a God who's not looking to just give us cold words on a page. He's interested in relationship with us. He speaks and it is created. This is also a picture of compassion. He spoke. He didn't send a memo, if you're old enough to know what those are. I remember my first real job after I got married was for this big national bank. I was in their leasing division. I was working downtown, tall building, the whole nine yards. And one Friday, Cindy was pregnant. She was eight months pregnant or seven months pregnant with Emily at the time. And one Friday, this dates me really bad. This is like way before emails, guys. I went to my mailbox. We used to have these mailboxes in the office. And there was a memo in everybody's mailbox. Friday, 3 o'clock. I pulled it out. and It said, uh, as of such and such a date, about three weeks out, we will be closing the Chicago office. And I was like, be closing the Chicago office? What does that mean? And we all kind of ran out into the common area of the office. And, and the vice president, who was over our whole area, came out with the same memo, and he goes, I have no idea what this means, but we're supposed to have a meeting on Monday, so just hang tight until Monday. Well, we all kind of knew what it meant in the back of our minds. Happy Friday, you're all getting laid off. That's how they communicated it to us, in a memo. This isn't a picture of a God who wants to communicate to us at a distance, just by listening to the, the Genesis 1, we see a God who desires relationship. He did not create because he was bored or thought it was cool. He did it because he desired relationship with us. He wants relationship with you. But his voice is not just about compassion. It's also about power. God created with his voice, and there's power in his voice. And we can picture this power by listening to kind of the creation story a little differently in Psalm 29. I love Psalm 29. It is such a bizarre psalm. So just a moment. Close your eyes, all right? This you have to imagine what's happening around you in Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in his splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, siren like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadash. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. 
The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. That's interesting. You don't see the power of the Lord shakes the desert knocks down the forests, strips the trees. You see what? The voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord shakes all of creation. The voice of the Lord uh, tears things down, turns the forests into knots. And when we experience that power, when we experience that majesty, as the psalmist opens up, ascribe to the Lord glory, ascribe to the Lord Strength. As we experience that presence, as we experience his voice, as he's speaking into our lives, there's only one thing that we can respond with. Those in the temple cried, glory. Glory. The Israelites' reaction when they heard the voice of the Lord is fascinating. It wasn't awe. It wasn't wonder. It wasn't even worship. It was fear. There's this really weird story in Exodus. This is right about the time of the whole Ten Commandments thing. And, and, and Moses is up there getting the Ten Commandments. And he comes down. This is like before the whole golden calf thing and all that other stuff. In Exodus 20, the people have this opportunity to hear from God. Verse 18, it says this, When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Sometimes we think, God doesn't speak anymore. Sometimes we have that attitude. It'd be so much better if we just didn't hear from God anymore. I'll, I'll read his word. I'll come to church. Let the, let the speaker tell me what God has to say. I don't want to hear from him anymore. Or he just doesn't speak. Job 33 tells us different. God still speaks, sometimes one way, sometimes another, yet man may not perceive it. Our lives get so busy. We get so busy with everything going around that we miss the voice of God in our lives. We, we read the Word, and we read it at times, some, sometimes to get things out of it, not just to hear from God anymore. We live a life in such a way where we don't want to hear God's voice anymore. It's easier that way. And that brings us to today. Christmas Eve is a busy day. Um, because my boys work at Hy-Vee, uh, as, uh, as a relative of an employee of Hy-Vee, we get a really we get an employee's discount. And over the holidays, like a few days before Christmas, a few days before Thanksgiving, they give a really big discount, like 20% off everything in the store for employees and one family member. So when I have to buy like the Christmas feast, I go like Christmas Eve because I know I'm getting 20% off. And that's, in one sense, it's good financially. In another sense, it's really stupid because shopping on Christmas Eve for food is insane. 
I didn't need that much this year. Um, you know, I wasn't doing the meat, so I just needed a couple of side items, and it took me two and a half hours to get through Hy-Vee, okay? And that was, that was like when they first opened, because I wasn't going to wait. So Christmas Eve, I'm running around, I'm running rampant, I'm trying to get to the church because I needed to drop some stuff off here before I went to home, and this and that. I got my radio on, and, and a song came on. It was John Lennon's Christmas song, Happy Christmas, War is Over. Uh, Cindy hates that song with a passion. She absolutely hates it. It's not her, her least favorite Christmas song, but it's not on the list because it, it doesn't really honor Christmas that much. I was listening to that song, and, and there was something in that song, something that I think, think describes where many of us are at today. I don't know if you remember that song. If you're of a certain age, you probably do. If you're too young, you probably don't. But it opens up like this. It starts uh, saying, And so it is Christmas. And what have you done? Another year older, a new year just begun. Something that echoes in us. This sense of exhaustion sense of tiredness, the sense of, of maybe even despair and depression. You know, last Christmas was challenging. We knew it was going to be challenging. We were prepared for it to be challenging, Christmas of 2020. We knew where we were coming up for, but the hope always was that it was just last Christmas, and next year, things will be better next year. We, we sounded like the Israelites over Pass, Passover, we got through this Passover next year in Jerusalem, you know, the hope of the future. And we got through Christmas last year. We did that video. It was a lot of fun. But the hope was next year, next year's going to rock because we'll be over all of this. Our family was so gung-ho about this that we planned a vacation. We're, we decided we're not going to give each other gifts this year. We're going to all save up. And the seven of us, we're getting out of Dodge. We're going to go to Puerto Rico for a week in an Airbnb and just lie in the sun. That's the plan. That's still the plan. In a couple of weeks, then everything starts gearing up all over again, doesn't it? Starts gearing up again. So it is Christmas. This year was supposed to be different. We were supposed to be different. Things were supposed to change. We were so happy that 2020 was over, 2021 was so promising, but as much as things changed, they were all the same again this year, weren't they? So it is Christmas. Same difficulties, the same frustrations, the same divisions, they're all around us still. They haunt us. And I've noticed this year, people's attitudes have been kind of darker. This has been a hard Christmas. For us, it's been a hard Christmas because although we're excited about this trip, we, never, we decided we weren't going to give each other gifts because we were going to save up to go on this great trip as a family. And so Christmas came and it was like, yeah, so we're going to have a nice meal and go see Spider-Man. So it's Christmas. We had a big discussion. Do we even put up a tree? I mean, what's the purpose, right? Kids are all grown up. If we're lucky, they'll be home. So it's Christmas, and what have we done? We're all a little bit older. New Year's about to begin, and we don't even know what that looks like. Perhaps, perhaps we need to start looking at things a little differently. 
This was a challenging Christmas for our family. It doesn't even feel like Christmas. And maybe that's where you are today. Especially if this is a Christmas, maybe you're dealing with a sense of loss. All the things that made Christmas Christmas don't seem to be working anymore. Maybe we need to look differently. Maybe we need to look elsewhere. John's Christmas story is, is different. It's very different. So different that it felt funny reading it on Christmas Eve, didn't it? Because Christmas Eve, we're reading all these stories about the nativity, right? We saw the, the manger. We saw the, the wise men. We saw the, the shepherds there. We saw Mary and Joseph. We had this picture of the nativity that we kind of drew as we were reading Scripture. And then we get to John, and John is just so much different. See, but John, John's not about what happened on Christmas. Instead, John is about what God's desire is through Christmas. It's about a God who wants relationship with his people, with a people who have broken relationship with him. And maybe that's what we need right now, to begin to rebuild our relationship with our Father. You know, there's so much going on in the world right now, and all of us, all of it is separating us from God. All of that frustration, all of that anger, all of that confusion, all of that division, it separates us from the Father. It separates us from Jesus. So perhaps we need to take some time and just stop. Stop for a moment. And just listen. Because God's still speaking to us. He's still calling us. He still wants to create something within us. He still wants to birth things in us. He still wants to walk with us in the cool of the day. He still desires relationship with us. That's what Christmas is all about. It's about restoring that relationship with our Father. So I'm going to reread John 1 to close. Okay? I told you earlier that everything we need to know is here. Everything to restore our relationship with our Father in Heaven is here. And I can come and I can break text down for you. I can point out the metaphors. I can explain it. I can diagram it. Heck, I can even make a handout for it, but none of that will make it real. The Word of God is a living, is living and breathing, sharper than any two-edged sword. So today, I just want you to stop and listen. Listen to the word that John wrote here. Let it penetrate. Let it run through your mind a bit. Let it become real. There's a story of a man in the 17th century. His name was Francis Junius, who came to faith simply by hearing this paragraph. It became so real for him that he had no other choice but to react by following God. So let these words do the same for you. In the beginning was the word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. 
He himself was not the light. He came only as witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God and is the closest relationship with the Father, has made him Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that you sent your one and only Son. We thank you that you did it because you love us and you desire relationship with us. Lord, you did it not because of what we have done or not because of what we deserve. For Lord, what we truly deserve is not forgiveness. It's not reconciliation. But you did it because you love us. Because you desire reconciliation with us. So Lord, as we look at this past Christmas, as we look to the future New Year, as we cry out, Lord, what have we done? As it feels like we're just going through the motions another year older. Lord, we realize that the hope and the joy of Christmas is not in what we've done, but in what you've done. So Lord, come now. As we hear your word, let it become alive in our lives. Let it begin to cut out the darkness that is in our lives. As your light enters our lives, Lord, let it cut the darkness out bring light and life. Father, we ask for grace and mercy as we move towards this new year. We ask for hope to be restored. We ask for joy to be restored. 
Let your joy come and fill our lives. Let it come and transform our lives. Let our lives be different because we've experienced the living Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to close the way we always close. It's been a hard year. Many of us are dealing with issues. There's some physical issues, some health issues, some spiritual issues, just issues in general. If that's where you're at, and this is where you bring issues, you bring them to the Lord. and He wants to come and minister. So before you run out, go have lunch or eat your leftovers from last night, come up and get prayer. Otherwise, may the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness. May he protect you in the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders that he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Last Sunday of 2021, guys, it's been a joy to be here with you. See you all next year. Be blessed. Amen.